I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. 
Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I'm going to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. Scalpel. Scalpel. Tweezers. Tweezers. Ham sandwich. Ham what? Sandwich. I was going to eat lunch when I got my oil changed earlier, but take five is so fast I didn't have time. But sir, you can't eat during surgery. Eh, one bite won't hurt. Mm. Whoops. Uh, Napkin. Napkin! At Take 5, your oil change is faster than you think. Take 5, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change. This is Del Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, operator of WKRM, historically 1340 AM, now 103.7 FM, and WKOM, 101.7 FM. We call ourselves Front Porch Radio, and I've said many times what that means. It means that we are working to connect this southern Middle Tennessee community, one listener, one relationship at a time. And let me elaborate on what that means. In this community, we will relentlessly promote jobs, commerce, business, industry, education, arts, green space, music, rivers, the great outdoors, healthcare, churches, charities, sports, and all the great people of Southern Middle Tennessee. Join us, help us, call us. Front Porch Radio, Delk Kennedy, thank you for listening. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia. It's thrilling, it's chilling, it's never spilling. Cinco's here on a Wednesday. Watson Brown will soon be here. Adam Sparks in hour number two. Tennessee football on the center stage. SEC football on the center stage. An incredibly interesting season. I hate to tell you, I told you so, but I told you so. I knew this year was going to be really interesting. I didn't think it'd be this interesting. Uh, it, the league is kind of wide open. The whole thing is really compelling. And are you kidding me? Are are you are you kidding me? That this Texas A&M team found found a way to lose to that Alabama bunch over the weekend. I mean, are you kidding me? Despite all the things that went well, I didn't realize yesterday, uh, Brian Hartman. Before I bring Sean in here, we had that conversation about all the things they did, holding them to three of twelve on on uh, third down. They won the turnover battle four to one, Brian, on their home field, and still lost by two scores. I mean, are you kidding me? Pardon my voice for going up there. For a fact, are you kidding me? You know, and it gives you 
almost a feeling of good uh, of good vibes, knowing that they probably won't win all five of those categories this week for two weeks in a row. Well, they're going to win, it and they're coming matter. on the road. It's almost it almost doesn't matter what they do. Cinco, back in the day, I had a take on A and M that they're just a nothing, and it never was, and and it never will be, and they're almost proving this. How did they lose that game to Alabama besides the fact that they're just Texas A&M and, and Jimbo Fisher just for whatever reason can't bring it home? I don't have that answer, Tony. Uh, I, I was sitting there watching it, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, but we've made many a quarterback look like, you know, Fran Tarkington before. Yep. And so I kind of I feel their pain. Um. You know, and, and Max Johnson may come in here and look like Baker Mayfield. It's, Just might. You, you've been right. You've been right, and I've been wrong about A&M, uh, except I think another part of your take has been also that on any given day, they can come in and put the smack down on Tennessee. Oh, yeah, no question. But yeah. you're right. I, I was wrong. I, I thought they would elevate themselves. It looks like it looks like if there's going to be a program down there that does it, it, it might be Texas, even though – Texas is just like a, just like a Heupel, and, I, and I'm not trying to put this together, but just Texas has got one stinker in them every year, yep. and it looks like it looks like Heupel's going to have one stinker in him every year. That is kind of an interesting thing about hype. Matt Dixon was saying that before he got here. That Matt said before we saw him, he said, when it goes well, it's going to go really well for him. So you're going to have games where you really blow people out. You're going to have games where you beat people you're not supposed to beat. But Matt said his um, his history at Central Florida was you're going to have a couple games that shouldn't happen that do. And I really don't know how to feel about this one Saturday. I've been, I've been saying that as a prelude to it. We're, we're live at uh, Calhoun's on Friday, and I know we're be a bunch of A&M fans in town and if you're coming in, come down and see us and hang out with us. I just can't get a sense for what's going to happen Saturday, Bri. I just, I just, I just have no you sense of this about game. Teams that have stinkers. I think college football, every team has a stinker, except if you're at the very top. Like yep. Georgia did that for years with Mark Rick. They always had one or two games where you're just like, "What the heck was that?" Yep, and. They finally they got Kirby in there, and he the last two years hasn't done that. But except for Alabama and, and the Saban when they were great, and Georgia now, usually most teams in college football they have a stinker, even top ten teams. What's going to be interesting, Sean? So it's nothing unique. What's going to be interesting, and Brian broke it down today at the top of the blog over at tclub team. We really drilled down on this A and M game. In Texas A and M's two losses, the way you beat them, you're not going to run the ball on those guys. You're just not. Now, now, Sean, do you think we're going to run? Because we're going to try to run the ball on them because you have to try and run the ball. Alabama couldn't do it even with Jaden Mil- Milrow. J- J- what's his name? J- Is it Jalen Milrow? Anyway, they couldn't do Jaylen it. Jalen Milrow. Yeah, they couldn't do it with him, and he's an exemplary, tremendous athlete. Um, and they forced him to throw for 321 yards. He had three touchdowns. He had an interception in the game. Tyler Van Dyke went for 374 with five touchdowns and zero picks. Both teams picked on this DeBerry guy. And that's going to be A&M's plan. I think A&M's plan 
is going to be a little opposite. They kept Milrow between the tackles and forced him to throw the ball downfield. I think they're going to try and flush Milton out. How do you think our offensive line, Sean, holds up against? And you followed all these guys in the recruiting process that A&M has. That's a cavalcade of stars on defensive line for them. It really your money will. Uh, but I think that, I just think that guys are are are. Uh, I think that when you have there, when you have a solution, I'm having trouble here. I'm having trouble here. You're skipping around on me. Get get to a, get to a better spot or wherever you are. Just let me know when you're there. Um, Sean's skipping all around on us there. The the thing is, and Brian pointed out a set, uh, on the blog today about Joe Milton. Uh, in nine games, he averaged. Can you hear me? Yeah, but in nine games, he averages 212 yards a game. He's thrown 10 touchdowns to wide receivers in his eight games played. Highest total passing yards was 287 at Florida in the loss. And Tennessee has only five touchdown passes all year to wide receivers, which, you know, the, kind of the same was going on at Alabama, and then Alabama exploded on these guys because they forced Alabama to throw the ball. And, Sean, my question for you is I think they're going to force Joe Milton to run a little bit, and they're going to try and flush him out and try to get him to throw on the run and not let him be comfortable back there. And And, and I was asking you in the recruiting process, we know about Walter Nolan, but they've got, Guys that can heat a quarterback up—that's what they do. They do. What I hope, hopefully, it's a better connection now. But um, uh, they spent very well uh, on the lines of scrimmage, and especially on defense. But I think what you'll see now is I do think we'll run the ball, but not in the traditional way of you got a back and you just hand it off and he runs between the tackles. I don't think that's the case. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think they'll. I think they'll uh, uh, utilize a lot of the, the running backs on the outside, uh, quick get it out there, and let them do their thing. Um, I think you'll see um, a lot of the tight end uh, be used this time. And I think if Joe Milton's going to run the ball, I think it's going to be designed runs. Uh, not, I don't believe Joe Milton's strength is improvising and then taking off unless he just sees it directly, which he did. You know, a couple of games ago, uh, I think it's more like let's get Joe outside, gets five, six yards, move the chain. Uh, but the so-called, I saw this week, uh, they're calling our guys the three-headed monster. I'm not sure it's a monster, but they certainly have three good running backs. I'm not sure that any of those guys have a big day unless someone just pops one. Um, and, and who knows? They may, We may pick on those guys. I still have not seen this year. And it surprised me. I've not seen a bunch of our wide receivers running wide open. Um, you know, maybe there have been. It's not been on the TV or when I've been at the stadium, but it's just been a little bit different. We've had to attack things differently. But I do think that, you know, for you know, for for a while there, <clears throat> the word on the street was that <clears throat> Mincy and Spragans weren't getting along off the field. And that was part of the deal of why Mincy was reluctant to go over to the right side. I don't have the details of that, but that was told to me by a couple people. But that seems to be solidified. When he's anchoring the right side, it's not Darnell Wright, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, Campbell's had a good year, in my opinion. And then when you get uh, Cooper Mays in there, 
Um, then all of a sudden, Ollie Lane gets to be he gets to be a guard, and yep. and I just don't I don't think he ever I don't I don't think he ever signed up to be that guy to be under that microscope to be a starting center with all those responsibilities, and it's not his fault. I think when he can just play guard, <clears throat> left guard, <clears throat> excuse me, then he's then he's good enough. Uh, I, 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 why some of these younger guys haven't eclipsed him, I don't know. But I am thankful that Ollie's gone in there, has not listened to his critics, and has just put in a shift uh, every game. And I think Tennessee—I honestly think that Tennessee's offense is going to represent this week. I really do. Beautiful. And I—I am, I am getting to be a fan of the uh, of our defense. I think Rodney Garner is living up to his reputation, um, and I think that uh, from what I've seen lately, you you referenced the ends in one of your interviews earlier this week, but. I think Omari Thomas is, is is trying to make him. I think this is his contract year, so to speak, and I think he's coming on. And he's Omari Thomas is every bit as talented as anybody A and M has. Boom. The question is this, and we'll talk with Watson about this on the other side. They're going to dare Joe Milton. They're going to give him stuff downfield. Can he do it? And. How do you run the ball against these guys? Can Tennessee get close to a hundred yards? As Brian said yesterday. The uh, Tennessee runs the ball really well. They're among the top in the country, top, but they haven't played this level of competition, not even close. Uh, and and the truth is, we'll have to see. One thing I park on in this game, because I don't like the matchup, uh, our offense on their line of scrimmage, I, I just don't. And. I don't know if I like the matchup of their wide receivers and our secondary. That I I just don't trust those guys. They've proven themselves pretty untrustworthy down through the years. But here's what I rest on: the coaching matchup here. If the game's close, it is not an advantage Tennessee. It's game set and match Tennessee. The Vols are favored in the game. Texas A&M under Jimbo Fisher, who I think is the most overrated coach in college football. I've always thought that, though. I'm not going to deviate. He's the perfect coach for A&M because they're the most overrated program in the history of the sport. And he's the most overrated coach. If Jameis Winston wasn't didn't go to Florida State, Jimbo Fisher would be somebody's coordinator right now, and nobody would know his name. Instead, he's the guy that's going to get the highest buyout in the history of college football after they terminate him after this season. That's that's what's tracking to happen here. A&M is 0-9 in SEC road games as an underdog under Jimbo Fisher. They never win these games. Never. Never. Not as a 7-point underdog, not as a 2-point underdog. They just don't win these games, and that's a brutal number. When, when you think about the, the kind of talent they've had, but, but here's the other thing. They don't win on the road anyway. They have 10 straight road losses. And they lost at Miami, Miami, at Miami, Miami, and got blown out in front of about 30,000 people. And the guy we had on yesterday, Robert Cessna, when he landed his plane, Robert Cessna told us yesterday, he said, and they didn't handle the crowd well there. He said, and there might have been. Might have been 45,000 people there. Might have been. How are they going to handle it here? How are they going to handle it here? Uh, My answer is the intangibles here really, 
really favor Tennessee. The raw material really favors a and I'm just being honest here. If you said who is a better football team, they have a better football team than we do. They just do. But the intangibles all favor Tennessee. And this is what makes college football a great sport because intangibles matter. History matters. What your team's done the last three years matter. What happens with your coach on the road matters. And we'll talk about it today as we go along. Adam Sparks will join in hour number two. It's Wednesdays with Watson Brown. As Cinco says, it's Radio Gull, Chico, on the other side after this. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. 
Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trawood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Hey gang, Carl Wayne Meekins here. I want you guys to come out and see us live on Veterans Day, 11, 11, 23, 7 p.m. Guitar and Cadillac Hall that sits right on top of Puckett's in Columbia, Tennessee. Got a huge lineup for you. We've got Troy Kemp, Katrina Burgoyne, myself and my band, and then the legend Jimmy Wayne's going to come in for a few songs. Going to be a big night in Columbia, and Columbia ain't going to be the same. Okay, so get your tickets at eventbrite.com and Guitar and Cadillacs, Carl Wayne Meekins. We'll see you there. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. The great Watson Brown now joining us this Wednesdays with Watson, and I love him because when we talk, we, we get into not only the sports, but we get into the everything, the news, weather, traffic, and we were talking about, I was telling him, I was telling Watson here before we begin that, you know, it's allergy season and ragweed or whatever's in the air, and I told him, I said, my father told me, he said, Tony, this one, I'm like a little kid. He said, when when your nose is your size, allergy an allergy condition is a major health issue. If you have a cold, that's a major health issue. And Watson, to that, you said what? <laughs> I said, I don't believe I'd have told my son that. <laughs> I'm not sure in today's world I would I would do that even if I thought that. <laughs> so, But, Tony, we grew up in a different world. Yep. It was a different time. Uh, my dad's been gone a long time now. He died in 96. And I, the love and respect that I have for that man is just out of out of the world. And I think it grew as I got older because I could look back and understand where he was coming from. Maybe it was a little tougher when I was younger, but but as it, as it went on, uh, I, I knew. And, and my football coach was the same way, Tony. He would just eat me up. He... I never was good enough. Uh, he'd hug me when it was over, and he was my second dad. And I went home one day and said, Dad, he said, he said that, and I expected my dad to hug me and say, I'll go talk to him. He said, don't you say that around me again. He's your coach. You get back in there and do what he says. <laughs> well, that ended that. Yeah, yeah, a little different than today. My, my friends that teach today tell me that kids act up in class or whatever. And the parents will come back to school and get in the face of the teachers. In my day, if you acted up in class, you got whipped. Oh, No questions old. asked. You were afraid to tell your parents what you did in school that day. It was oh. never going to be the teacher's fault in my world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I was somewhere in between that yep. with mine, I guess. And I look back and I wonder if I was tough enough at times. And, and uh, kind of probably reacted a little bit opposite of, of how my dad was. My mom was the hugger more, but my dad was the, the straight line guy. And 
And uh, if I had it to do over, I'd lean a lot more toward that, tell you the truth, as a parent. The great Watson Brown joining. So the Tennessee Vols coming off an off week. Let me read to you what happened, because I can't believe this occurred. And you tell me, if you, when you're involved in a game like this, what it feels like. Nick Saban stood before the microphone last week and said, in all my years of being here, or really of being in the SEC, this is the first time I can remember my team playing like this and still winning a game. This, this is all the things. Now, we had a guy yesterday on, because I did not realize all this, and I want to share this with you. I, I had a guy um, on here yesterday uh, from uh, one of the papers down there. Robert Cessna is his name. Great, great writer. Been there for like 30 years. Pittsburgh guy. Good dude. Anyway, he told me, he said, Tony, if you do any two of these things in a Southeastern Conference game against a good opponent, you're going to lose a game. Now, listen to what Alabama did. They committed 14 penalties for 99 yards, several of which were the five-yard variety that are usually drive stoppers, Watson. Absolutely. They lost the turnover battle 4-1. to one. They rushed for only 23 yards. They were 4 of 12 on third down. They gave up six sacks. They gave up eight hurries, and they still had a two-score lead with about three and a half to four minutes left, and it really wasn't even a game at the end. I mean, how in the world does that happen on your home field? Great defense. They, they played out of sight on the other side of the ball. They covered up for everything. Um, the two best defenses in the SEC played each other last Saturday, and, and Alabama's was better. And great defense and big plays. That covers it. It don't cover it very often, but it covered it last Saturday. They had a lot of big plays in the game, critical, critical time big plays. And then defense was just dominant all day long. I mean, the Aggies moved it some, but you never thought they had any control of the game whatsoever. And, and uh, no, well, with the places I coached, buddy, if all of that happened, I didn't beat anybody. <laughs> I didn't beat anybody. The great teams with the great talent sometimes can still win games like that. When you look at the A&M bunch, and you had a great chance to look at them last week, what should concern us? Defense. I don't think they're a great offense at all. Uh, they're, they're, it's controllable. In my personal opinion, we've talked about Tennessee's offense. I've, I've talked it with you. Uh, here all year long so far, nearly, nearly, nearly halfway. We're not there yet, but nearly halfway, and we, we question mark, question mark, question marks. Well, it's all ending Saturday. We're going to know how good this offense is after after the Saturday game's over, and uh, if if they can move the ball the way we would like to see them, or the way we've seen them do it before against this team, uh, they're getting there. Uh, if they don't, we're going to know exactly where they are. This is the game that's going to show you where the Tennessee offense is. And, and how do they do it, Watson? What do you think? How do the Vols, when you, when you look at what A&M has, and you know Tennessee's personnel, how do you think they're going to attack them? This is what's been happening to Tennessee this year, uh, watching the games. And I'll, I'll take the Florida game. Just take that one because that's the big game so far in the SEC that they got beat. Florida lined up in basically two looks. 
six in the box, play a man free, and covering all receivers, and 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 then they had five in the box playing quarters coverage. What everybody's doing, mostly to Tennessee, is saying we ain't gonna, we don't, we're not gonna just show you these throws. We're not gonna have this many in the box. They're telling Tennessee to run the ball. When Tennessee is in their run-pass mode, and it's not just call a run or call a pass, as we've talked before, a lot of Tennessee stuff on early downs within the chains is numbers. If the numbers are here, we do this. If the numbers are here, we do that. Well, the numbers have been telling Tennessee to run the ball, and they've done it decent. Now they've gotten their center back, and I thought they were better in their last game. But it hasn't created as many big plays as they used to get when people would crowd them a little more. And so they're going to have to just create more big plays and go for it. The second thing I see with Tennessee is the quarterback. I've always said passing the ball, Tony, is protection, timing, and spacing. And the timing and spacing, the spacing's still been there, but the timing with that spacing hadn't been as good as it was last year. And the second piece of that is Joe has not thrown the ball as well in under pressure as Hendon did, and he has not been able to ad-lib when he gets out of the pocket like Hendon did. Those two things have to change Saturday. There's going to be pressure on Joe, even with four, four rushers. There's going to be pressure on Joe, and he's going to have to make plays with people in his face. And it's time for the receivers to step up, and it's tough after you just lost your best one and your captain over there of the receiving core. But they've had an open day. I think they're ready. They've, they've, it's time. It's time. And one other thing I'd like to say, throw this out, and this could be a great discussion for you at some point. I think it's, it is not a good situation for Florida and Tennessee playing each other that early in the year. That game ought to be later in the year because it really hurts one of them. And it's too early for either team to be where they really need to be. Those big games like that need to be a little bit later in the year, like about right now. And uh, so I think that game really hurt Tennessee. I'm, I'm anxious to see if, how they responded from it because this is really the first SEC team uh, in that caliber. This team's a lot better than Florida was. Yeah, this team's better. It's interesting, though. They have trouble winning on the road. And, um, I mean, I was just reading a number a second ago to the audience as a precursor to you being on here. Sort of an appetizer because you're our main course here in our number one and so far so good uh, from you. But, you know, Tennessee is dead last in explosive plays in the country. And, and the deal Saturday is that they're playing a team that doesn't win on the road. But if you want that team to get out of there with a win on the road, if Tennessee keeps that trend going and they can't make big plays down the field, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for the Vols to win Saturday, Watson. Yeah, absolutely will. And they've, they've got to take on what Florida did in saying run the ball. Run the ball. And... um they did early with good, good, uh, mix, good mix, and made a big play on the first drive against Florida. It looked looked like Tennessee's offensive old, and then it kind of stalled out from there. And uh, they couldn't run the ball, and Florida was saying run it. Tennessee has to do two things Saturday, to me, 
they have to run the ball when when A&M says run it. They have to be able to consistently do that to get them to, get them to lose their patience a little bit over there and open up some of those big plays. And they, they when they go for big plays, and they're going to go for them, and they're going to have the spacing and everything, Joe's got to make more plays and the receivers have got to make more plays. And when they do that, that's the Tennessee offense of last year. They've yet to do that consistently. I've seen big plays, but I hadn't seen the consistent big plays, Tony. And now they're going to get challenged by a defense that's going to play them, in my opinion, just like Florida. Everybody going to copy the Florida template till Tennessee says, everybody in the SEC is going to copy the Florida template till Tennessee proves they can handle that. And uh, so I know what's coming, and I can't wait to watch it and, and see how they handle it. Which, and the Florida template one more time, just for, just because I'm taking notes here, um, you're saying six in the box, man free, five in the Florida, box with quarters coverage, right? Florida played six in the box with a single safety and played man free. It's hard to play three zone against Tennessee. The seams, the, the, from the inside linebacker all the way to those splits, there's a lot of space in there. So you nearly get cold. You gotta play man free with a single safety with those splits. Then they move out to five in the box, and there's a linebacker sitting out there kind of splitting the difference in between that big split. And so that's that's an easier thing, and play quarters coverage behind it. And then when Florida got in a critical down going in or something, now they came after them something. They, 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 they did bring five and six more then. Um, but Florida would bring five in their six in the box every once in a while and play true man free. There's two kinds of man free, Tony. There's a man free where you've got a free linebacker inside. Everybody's got a man, and there's a free linebacker inside and a free safety. That free linebacker is can, can they'll lean him one way or the other off of the off of the tendencies, or and that's bringing four guys. I'm not want to get technical here, but I think it's important for the for the people to understand what they're going to see. Or they're going to bring then within six in the box. They're going to bring one of those linebackers. And the other linebacker has got the back in the backfield man free, and everybody else has a man. So there's not two free guys. There's one free guy when you do that, and it's the free safety. And um, I think that's what they're going to do. I think everybody thinks they they don't feel as um, – how am I going to say this? They're not as scared to line up and play Tennessee man. They don't think the receivers are good, and they don't think the quarterback is consistent. I don't know what his stats are with pressure on him, but they got to be pretty low. Joe has not made consistent plays with people in his face. Most quarterbacks don't. The one you had last year did. And that's why I just kept getting on with you every week and bragging on the kid. Because I've coached quarterbacks 46 years, good and bad, and I'm telling you, when you got one that can do that and then improvise in open space like he could, it's hard to it's hard to get another one to do that again. And so far, Joe has not been as good at that, even though Tony, he's played pretty good. But he's not been what Hendon was. No, and, and the thing you've helped me appreciate as I've watched the Vols last time out, and you said it three or, three or four weeks ago on here, but and I think we're all coming to this conclusion – it takes two to tango. Um, the wide receivers, there's a major drop-off uh, with last year's group. And look, 
You had a Blitnikoff Award winner on on the deal who's a first-round pick in the NFL, and you had a guy that was probably going to win the Blitnikoff Award if he didn't get injured. So, uh, you know, you had two exemplary players. And so what you're saying is, I mean, we're going to simplify this a little bit. Tennessee's, they have got to run the ball or attempt to run the ball. Uh, Even if they can't run the ball, they've got to show that they're going to try and run the ball. And then the second thing is, they're going to give this guy opportunities to make big plays. How many has he got to hit, Watson, in your mind, to have a successful day? I think a handful. I think a handful, because I don't think they're just going to go up and down the field on on A&M like they might do uh, Vanderbilt or they might do uh, South Carolina. uh, A&M is one of the top two defenses in the league. And uh, they got Alabama in a couple of weeks, and that's the other one. There's two really good defenses in the SEC this year. And they're playing one of them this week. That's why I think this is this is the judge. And um, I just I can't wait. With the the open day couldn't have come better for Josh and his people because they had lost an important receiver. Uh, they had they had won a, a big game. They have an open day, two weeks to prepare for A and M, and and look down the road at the ones you got coming. You got Georgia and Alabama coming too. And you got a Kentucky team that depends on which one shows, and and but I know which one will show against Tennessee because that's their game of the year, and so they've had this open date, and I want to see how much better they are since the open date. The good news for me was the lines of scrimmage against South Carolina were dominant. I don't know that I ever said that last year. I don't know that I ever said that. But the lines of scrimmage against South Carolina were dominant in that game, and they weren't against Florida. But they came back in that one, and it was something I hadn't seen in a while in Knoxville. And they got to keep that. And Joe and the receivers have got to play better, and I think they will personally. Give me a percentage. What what percentage is it on Joe? Because I'm looking at like we were looking up numbers. I'm thinking but, one in three and with pressure on him would be my bet. Yeah, well, one well, in three throws with pressure on him. Here's the thing that's interesting, right? We were looking at numbers. Don't lie, okay? In this football, sometimes they can in college football because you can inflate your numbers. But then when the yeah, numbers are low, they don't lie. Playing. Yeah, that's right. You're playing with that's those right. numbers. Tennessee has only five touchdown passes to wide receivers this year, Watson. That's not going to yeah. work. That's no. just not going to work. No, I, and and it goes to back to what we're talking about. It goes to um, receiver play and quarterback play, and uh, it's that that's it. Tennessee can't run the offense they're running, Tony, without a very good quarterback and a really good core of receivers. And I'm going to go back to another guy that tied in last year made so many plays for that team. So many plays, and was also a very good blocker. But he made space plays. They could put him out in space, and he beat people. And uh, the the one that's playing now is solid, but he's not. He hasn't shown to make the plays the guy last year made. So there's just such a difference in bodies that are playing right now for Tennessee, and the fans want it to be the same, but it, it's not. It's just not the same yet. Let's hope and see if these kids, these younger ones, get better. Who did he find in the open date that can make more plays for him out wide? 
did he work with Joe? Because we've seen him work with Joe. I saw him have uh, some time with Joe before they played Clemson. It was a different quarterback that came back. They've had they've had a good week, two weeks here to prepare for the next big game. And will Joe be better uh, this week? And will that offense and defensive lines be as good? They won't dominate the way they did South Carolina because a and better than South Carolina. Right, right. But will they play as good as they played against South Carolina? You mentioned Tennessee's defense a second ago, and Sean Sinclair, we were talking previous segment. A&M's offensive line is really one of their weak spots. Their weak, their weak spots are their offensive line, their secondary. Um. I would think Tennessee could heat this Johnson guy up this weekend. What do, what do you think their strategy is defensively? I think come after him. I think they'll come after him. I think they'll go back to their five-man pressures a lot in this game. He's not, he's not great. He's a little bit like Joe. He's, he's inconsistent with people around him. Most quarterbacks are, Tony. Most quarterbacks are good quarterbacks are inconsistent with pressure, but then you got the great one that's much better with the pressure and much better at living in space. And uh, I just think the Tennessee defense has shown me all year they're more athletic than they were last year. But they hadn't showed me that toughness till the South Carolina game. I saw a physicality I hadn't seen against Florida and earlier even against lesser teams. And I saw it in against South Carolina. So I left South Carolina saying, okay, one piece has come on. Now here's the two pieces that have got to come on. The running backs are very solid, and they can make plays. That's not their problem. It's, it's got to be quarterback-receiver play, and they've got, to, they've got to be sound on defense and don't let it turn into a wild game. I don't think it will. A&M hasn't really been able to do that against anybody. Watson, what's your take on Jimbo Fisher as a head coach? I mean, he's a guy, obviously, it's going to leave the sport a wealthy man, which, you know, that's kind of the deal today. A&M has 10 straight road losses, um, Watson, and they, under him, are 0-9 in the Southeastern Conference in road games as an underdog. And they're an underdog this week. And look, um, this guy has exemplary talent year after year. I mean, it isn't like the guy at Kentucky who was crying about how he didn't have any players. This guy has all the players you need. So, so what's what's your what's keeping them from winning some of these games? Well, the bottom line is, head coaches, are you winning or are you losing? And that was the bottom line for me. I lost too many games at too many places. I, had, I won't get into why, but I did. So, but he's not winning games, and he's got all the resources. So. He's got to show the world that he can get it done, in my personal opinion. And they get to the well, but they can't drink the water, Tony. They can't make the plays when they got to make plays. They're in all these games, and they should be because they've got the best money can buy, and I mean that in a respectful way. The, the Aggies have money, and they can go get these kids, and that's the way you win ball games in college now. It wasn't the way it was before, but it is now. And uh, so he's bringing them in. They cut the best facilities, bar none, in the country. And uh, but he's got to get it done. I'll say that about him. Coach said about myself. And there's bottom line. And as a college football coach, you got to win games. Did you win or did you lose? It don't matter if you were close. He's close a bunch. 
I don't see them drinking the water when they get to the well. They can't. They haven't finished. They can't make a play. Alabama the other day. They Alabama made a play when they'd have to make it. A and M couldn't make the play when they had to make it. And they're saving after the game, going. I, I don't know how we won that game because you guys are coaching. No, what? look, when you lose a turnover battle four to one. I mean, what do you think the percentage chances are you're going to walk out of there with a win? And then you couple that with 3 of 12 on, on third down, 100 yards and penalties, 14 penalties. But how the hell do you win that game? I mean, it's, it seems impossible to win that game, Watson. 32 years as a head coach, Tony, I never won a game and, and lost with a turnover ratio of more than two. Hello? Against me. Never won a game. Never won a game with that. Uh, but my, I wasn't as good as most of the ones I was playing, so we had to play a little better. But you can't do that. And then the other one that you said that was on the screen at the end of the game the other day, 14 penalties? You, you, you just, Nick's right. I appreciate him calling it out. He could have walked out there and said, oh, boys, we just well, we were good enough to win, and we made the plays when we had to. But he called it out. He was right. How in the world do you win a game doing that? But A&M would get to the well and would drink water. And let's see if they get to the well and can drink the water Saturday in Knoxville. I think they've lost seven straight conference games on the road. Or seven straight road games, I think it is. And I don't even know if they were all conference games. But they've lost seven straight road games. And you go back and look at the games, they're all close. They're all very close. He, um, They've lost 10 straight, actually, on the road. One of them was to Miami earlier this year in front of about 20,000 people. Uh, which is just, and they got blown out of that, that game. when they got blown out. Yes, they did. Which is, that don't happen very often. But no. I mean, it's that just. don't happen to them very often. Let's bring Sean Sinclair in here, and then Brian Hartman has a question. It's Wednesdays with Watson Brown. We're so blessed to have him. Uh, Sean Sinclair, go ahead, man. Coach, it's an honor to be on with you on Wednesdays. I appreciate your appearances. Um, I, had a, I, I had a very good friend. He's passed now, but he. He famously said one time, "Winners win and losers lose." And I, I, I think, I, I think in sports, nothing is more true than that. Um, what I want to ask you is a game like this, and what you and I have talked about special teams the past couple of weeks. And I tend to think that in a game like this, that if you limit your opportunities to make stupid mistakes, i.e., uh, kick the ball. Don't let them return a kick. I mean, kick the, take the ball out of that guy's hands. When you punt, do your thing. Just get the ball down there, get it on the ground, be done with it. Don't do stupid things like uh, try to go for it on fourth down, you know, on your side of the field, et cetera. Unless you know, you, you it's like one inch line like that. Because I think in this type of game, I do think that Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M will blink. I think they will do something uh, that is just idiotic and cost them the potentially cost them the game. But they also have enough talent, as you've said, to make some plays because they've got some great players there that can take a game over if they want to, and you let them. I think when you've got somebody that's struggling and mentally, you can say anything you want. But when you've lost ten straight, you're dealing. You're dealing. You're coming to Knoxville with an issue. And you can talk words all you want to talk, but what turns that issue around is to win. You can talk. Vanderbilt and Rice, seven years in a row, I coached seven years in a row at those two places. You could talk about winning all day long, but till you won, 
it was hard for those kids to think they could do that. And so how's A&M going to win? I think Tennessee's got to help them. I think Tennessee, they're coming up here to not drink the water in the well again because that's what they've been doing. And that place is going to be out of sight. And they know Tennessee. I think Tennessee's won, what, 12 straight in Knoxville? So that place is going to be wild. They know that. They know what they're walking into. And so if Tennessee don't help them, I just don't think A&M can get over that hump, guys. I just don't. So, Sean, you're dead on. Don't make and they've got a great punt return. Do not uh, you kick it to that Smith guy? guy. Uh, you like Sean saying you kick it to that Smith guy. You oh. kick a line drive at him and you are playing with fire. You literally the best playing with in fire. The uh, he's, he's unbelievable the best now in the country. He is that good. He can fly. And, oh, he can fly. Tennessee love to have him as a receiver right now. Oh man. Well, well, Lord have mercy. So don't kick it to that guy. Hey, hey Sean and uh, Coach. Who do you guys think has a better team, A&M or Tennessee? Just just pure material, um, as we say in the trade. Sean, I'll start with you. Who's got a better football team, Sean? Just player to player here. I think if you go on, I think you have to divide it in two. I, I think if you're talking about on paper and young guys, the the the, the, the two classes, uh, then A&M. I mean, they, are, they, they signed arguably the greatest high school class that's ever been signed. Um, I don't know how many of those older guys are, have a history of, of big wins and winning out. I know they had that one year when they everyone thought they may have a chance to go to the playoff. No one else did, but mm-hmm. they, they were up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think that Josh Heupel may not have the stars he had last year, but I think he has a team. As we used to say in the back of the day, I think he's got a squad, a salty squad. And uh, I'll take a salty squad at home uh, and take my chances over, you know, talent that's kind of hanging out there. Just material-wise, Watson, who's got, who's got a better club when you look at those two teams? I'll, I'll, I'll start by saying it this way, Tony. Go back and look at the records of the great head coaches that lined up and played somebody just as good as them on a neutral side and see what their one-loss record is. And if you study it close, yeah. it's very close to 50-50. It's very close. Now, their records, great coaches, is great because they played a bunch of people they were better than. But when they lined up in that two or three times a year and played somebody just as good as them, I don't think there's enough difference in the talent of the two teams. Tennessee's recruited well. These are two talented SEC football teams. There's a little bit more for A&M in one place here, and then there's more for Tennessee in here. I think playing it at Knoxville makes a huge difference. I'm going to say to the Aggies, maybe all the way to 14 points, and that's high. But I don't think there's a big difference in the talent. So when you play somebody as good as you, you got to outplay them, guys. The talent levels, there's not a big enough difference between the two. Who plays the best and where are you playing the game? The great Watson Brown breaking it down scientifically. Brian has a question for you. Go ahead, Brian Hartman. Jump in here Wednesdays with Watson Brown scientifically moving right to left across your device. I wanted to get your thoughts on two head coaches that made some headlines over the weekend. And first I'll start with the, in the SEC with Mark Stoops. He said that he basically needed his fan base to pony up and 
go get help him get better players if they're going to line up with Georgia because Georgia's bought some good players and too good for them for Kentucky to handle. Watson like that's that. one thing. You know, and, and if that tell him, I just wondered to get your thoughts if that really is something that a coach should ever say. And secondly, the Mario Cristobal thing where oh, he no. just refuses to take a knee when the game is over with. Hey, Watson, a caller of mine on Cristobal asked if he proposed to his wife standing up. <laughs> but uh, go, go, let's do the uh, let's do the Stoops things first. And do you think, Coach, that because I asked uh, George Plaster this yesterday, do you think he's going to pull a million dollars of his own money out to pay those guys, or do you think uh, he, he's he's going to say do as I say, not as I do? What do you think, Watson? I respect Coach Stoops a bunch yes but that was that was a bad statement <laughs> and he's making of what he's doing is making excuses yes he's making excuses for the game instead of saying we got to play a lot better we can play a lot better blah 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 he's saying they got a lot better players than we got that i just you don't do that to me that's me i'm old timey uh now go to your fans behind the scenes and say guys Here's what George – all these schools know what the other schools have and how much money they're giving out. They know. They know exactly what they're doing. And so for him to go back to some of his people and say, guys, if you want to catch these dudes, I need I need another $8 million in the kitty. And now to do that, yes, absolutely. But to publicly come out and say that, uh, just I cringed when I read that. It, it to me that's making excuses. The guy like have, me being at yeah. Vanderbilt and playing in the SEC, and every time I lost, I'd come back and say, "Well, they're just better than us. They're just better than us. That's all there is to it." Uh, and and I can't compete. Don't do that. We don't you're facilities. I can't your compete. Team. Yeah, your you're fans taking shots at your own team. That's right. You do that, and that's another good point. That's like saying, "Hey, buy me better players. These guys can't play." Yeah, how's Kentucky go back now if they play Alabama or when they play Tennessee or whatever? So, well, we ain't good enough to beat them. We ain't good enough to beat these. So why bother? How do you, how do you go back in the room and say that to your players after making that statement? I, I didn't. I I cringed. I what? put it up there nearly in, in as bad a move as what Mario did at Miami. Um, how do you? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't like. That's not even second guessing. I don't. I don't know where he was on the sidelines. Uh, how could you not be there and just say, "What are we doing here? Take a knee." What's the your big, hey, coach? What's they, your? They don't even have to take but one knee, one time. What's your That's biggest? All, one time. What's your biggest strategic mistake that you've ever made as a coach? Because I know it's really fast down there, and oh, things happen. Gosh. And I wonder if that comes to mind. But I often think, like the other day, uh, Ryan Day kicked an extra point in the game that he didn't need, and it was the only way his opponent Notre Dame could tie the score. And there you just don't kick that extra point. You'd go out there and kneel the ball down, kick it to him with a couple seconds left and say, you know, whatever, whatever, that's the ball game. Um, you see these people do things and you just kind of go, you, and back in your day, you didn't have 95 analysts up in the booth helping you. It was like you and five of your friends. I mean, today, no. these guys and, have so and, much and information. That just can't happen today, Watson. No, and I, but I'm going to take that on to me. Okay. I, I think these guys that are listening to all those people, uh, that's a major mistake. The head coach needs to be making the calls, and it's got to be him thinking it out 
you don't need to have 10 if you're a play caller tony and you're having to turn around and ask 10 people what you think then it ain't gonna work anyway the head coach needs to make the calls and he needs to be in the game and make the calls and where i look back that i think i made mistakes sometimes is i was always the offensive coordinator and i there's times i needed to be up there and be the head coach just be the head coach and uh, that would be some of the things I would say about myself that I, I make mistakes. But any head coach that's got to have help making those calls, um, it ain't. It probably ain't going to be the right call anyway. Watson, you're the man. Much love to you. What happens in Neyland Stadium Saturday, in your humble opinion? You've been, like, right on the money so far. Uh, I think Tennessee wins in, an, in another good game. It's going to be a good game. And uh, I think Tennessee plays their best game of the year, in my opinion. I think there'll be uh, a receiver step up that we don't know about, or maybe somebody that's been playing, and all of a sudden he starts making a lot of plays. That's that's what I think, and I think Joe will play a little better again this week, and we'll come back next week and say he's getting better, but he's still not what we want him to be yet. That's the great, what I think will go down. You're the great one, Watson Brown. I bow my head when I say thy name, and I hope you have a great day, my friend. <laughs> love you guys. Thank you, it's brother. It's an honor to be on with you. Thank, Thank you. you. Much love to the great Watson Brown. I think it's interesting, uh, guys, that he talks about how there's basically a book on how to stop Tennessee. And the book is, hey, I'm going to make you run the ball, and until you show me, you can throw it. And the thing he's opened my eyes to, Sean, is that that passing game's more than just about that quarterback. His receivers, those tight ends, they got to help this guy, man. They got to make plays. It, it is, but I think this is a, a system, and I and I'm talking about system quarterbacks. I think that we've all we've often heard that this is a very simplified offense run at hyper speed, mm-hmm. and so everything is going to affect that. I had asked her, I talked earlier about, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of wide open receivers like we saw last mm-hmm. year. Well, that's not because the guys last year were significantly faster than they are this year. It's the fact that because of the efficiency and the timing last year, a lot of guys on opponents' secondaries made bad decisions and just, and, and were out of place. This year, a split second might be all the difference in the world of a safety taking the right guy or taking the wrong guy or being tired or being, you know, or, or having his wind of uh, being able to substitute or not being able to substitute. So I think that what we are doing is we may not be the final product of last year, but we are getting more efficient. And and I think it's just another one of you, you, the offensive line. With, against South Carolina, we were more efficient. We were able to do that. Not only that, the coaching, you know, perhaps in the first couple of games that the, uh, uh, my observation was that the plays weren't getting into the, uh, into the team as quick as they were last year. And that, that's, is that a new coach? Is that a new this? Is that a new that? I don't know. But everything was different. Uh, but I have started seeing some improvement. And I do believe that Hypel and company, are very, very good offensive people, minds, and I think they will come up with some ways to scheme around some of their deficiencies. Yeah, and and my take on Saturday right now, 
until I see otherwise is I think A&M's probably got better talent than Tennessee overall. But I don't think A&M's going to get a dub because that's just not who they are. I mean, it's just they just find ways. I mean, you have to appreciate a team that lost that game last week. So I want to hear from you at 865-200-5402. We'll camp here for a second. And then I want to ask Sean a question because they're going to pick on this DeBerry guy. Uh, the Vols are. Who are they going to use as the feature receiver on that guy? Somebody's going to have a big day for Tennessee. That's been the that's what happened with Miami. That's what happened last week. Burton doubled his output on the season. Receiving yards, touchdowns, it all happened in one game for him, and he just had a huge day. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? When we come back on the other side, and what the Stoops guy did, just one other thought for you, is like a guy going before the media and saying, it's your fault. Fan bases do not want to hear that it's the media's fault. And fan bases really today don't want to hear that it's their fault. You want to say two things. And look, I'm no genius, but I understand people. You tell a fan base that it's their fault that you got blown out in a football game, you're going to urinate some people off. That's the first thing. They're already paying through the nose to come to the, I mean, what's, what's it enough? How much of your money are you going to give, coach? Are you going to put a million dollars up? I go back to something that the great Marky Boy Griffin says. You take a football coach or basketball coach to lunch, and one thing you're never going to hear from them is, I got the check. Then they coming out of their mouth. It's a one-way street. No offense to you people. Not ripping you. Just pointing out faxes here. Say that to your fans. Give me a break, man. We'll come back on the other side. It's our do, 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 do. Adam Sparks joins bottom of the hour. we got time to take some calls. Let's do it. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons and we run his dealership and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. 
Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Columbia. Take 5 is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. Visit their newest location at 1203 South James Campbell Boulevard and take advantage of their $15 off grand opening special. That's right, $15 off any oil change, Columbia. Take 5, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change. They're faster than you think. Join the Columbia Noon Rotary Club on Saturday, November 11th for Pancake Day. This long-standing event has been serving the best pancakes in town since 1959. Eat in or carry out, your ticket includes pancakes, sausage, and your choice of beverage. Pancake Day will be held from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Memorial Building on West 7th Street. Tickets can be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member, and the cost is $10 each or 3 for $25. Children 6 and under eat free. Proceeds from Pancake Day benefit several Rotary community projects, including scholarships for local students. See you November 11th. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. I love it, love it, love it live. As we welcome you back, TB back with you on the one, the only. By the way, our special guest, Watson Brown, appeared on your TLD Logistics Hotline, as will Adam Sparks here in about 20 or so. In a couple days, we're live down at Calhoun's on the River. The great Tony Valls will be with us. I'm really thinking, guys, about bringing Tony Valls. Now, Brian had a gift idea for him yesterday. We'll save that till the third hour. I want to unpack that a little bit. Uh, Cinco, 
you uh, should we bring because he doesn't want any fuss made over him. Should we bring him like a cake and sing happy birthday cake to him? What do you think? To Tony V? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Should we acknowledge oh, him and all that come stuff? Come on. If, if, there's, if there's something I know, and I was married to an Italian for 25 years. Uh-oh. If there, with a huge, huge Italian family. Uh-oh. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how that is. Those little things matter. And Cinco's I think, speaking I think the truth. Cinco is speaking the truth with the pie. The Paisans <laughs> need love, man. They need they, love. They, they need love. I don't know if they need it, but they that's their oxygen. Yeah, that's and, exactly and it, right. It would make his year to have something like that and sing happy birthday. So I, I'm for that. When Laura says to me, Tony, you look so sexy in that shirt. That goes such a long way with, well, I guess she doesn't say. Let's go back to the phones and get our next call in. Hello and welcome to our next caller. Hello. Tony, uh, you know what? You would like sexy in. Uh, what's that? A brave Ronald Acuna jersey. Well, I'm just going to have to stay unsexy then, Josh, because that ain't happening. Cinco, we're going to we're going to beat the Phillies tonight, ain't we, big boy? Uh, you know what? I was thinking, I was, I was, I was smelling what you're cooking, uh, Joshy boy. But uh, uh, until I heard that Bryce Elder started. Oh then, come on, Bryce Elder can get it my, done. Uh, and then, and then my uh, little guy down south crawled inside. I want Bryce. I want Bryce Elder to throw this game and and game four, Joshy boy. Let's double dip Bryce, Bryce Elder. Bryce Elder is Bryce Elder will throw a five spot into that first inning scoreboard for Philadelphia. He has the past couple times. Start Brad Hand in game four. Let's go for it. Let's make it two. <clears throat> yeah, Tone. I think this game is this series is definitely going five. Oh yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, wheels those, wheeler dealer I, back on the mound gotta against get those ratings up, right? well wheeler dealer against blister boy the rest yeah. of these NLDS series have been absolute duds man yeah they have I mean duds you think uh, you think the L A Dodgers are winning tonight or are they gonna do what the Baltimore Orioles did last night and do the J to the O to the B and Brian how many games did the American League East win in the regular season, close to 300, right? They're playoff teams. Yep. And how many games did they win in the postseason, Brian? What was the number? Zero. Zero for seven. Zero for seven, Josh. That seems wow. impossible. That'd be like Joe not- Milton going for eight touchdown passes Saturday. No offense to him. I think Arizona gets it done tonight. I'm going to say something like a. Uh, Eight to five, Diamondbacks. The Zony boys. Yep. You called the game the other day, 5-4. You nailed the final score the other day, I Josh. I, I wish I would have bet the correct score. On oh, that. my gosh. You won the copper card. I did? No. I'm not no. giving you a copper card. You cl- you clown? You think I'm giving you a copper card if you're a game no. that painful? No. Now, if the Phillies no. would have won and you'd have called the score, I'd give you a copper card. I'm not giving no. you a copper card after that. Yeah, I know. You're, you're but, my boy, uh, though. Tona, I'm going to be really, really worried after hearing what Watson Brown said. If Tennessee cannot go for about 100, 115 yards rushing, 
I think it's going to be really hard to win that game Saturday. What do you guys think? Sean's right, though. I think Tennessee is going to pop the ball out in the flat. They're going to use the sophomore from Louisiana a little bit, probably get him in the slot a little, uh, probably run some shovel passes inside to kind of neutralize their pressure. The thing that's kind of scary about A&M right now when you drill down on them is they've got two linebackers that are playing at a really, really high level. And one of them's a true freshman who was a four-star guy who jumped over some more highly uh, recruited guys uh, in their roster this year, and he's playing at an extremely high level. He had a very good game uh, against Alabama. The problem for them with the Tide was that the Tide identified that the very guy, they went after him, and they hit the passes on him. That's how they won the game. Yep. Do you think uh, they're probably going to throw in his direction a lot, Saturday Town, about the Berry guy? Well, this breaks the question, so let's ask Sean Sinclair. Cinco, who's your pick to click at wide receiver Saturday on DeBerry? I don't know who that is because I don't, uh, respectfully, I don't know that Joe Milton is the guy that can do that. Huh? I mean, I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think he's the guy that can pick on somebody. I think he's the guy that uh, makes up his mind where he's throwing the ball and he throws the ball. And um, so I don't. I don't want him thinking that much. I do, however, think that if he's healthy, he's got a hamstring deal. I think this is a game that uh, Thornton could might uh, might open up. I mean, it's he's wanted the opportunity. He came here because of the offense and because of the Blitnikoff war. He came here thinking that he was a one and done guy to go off the NFL, and he's um, respectfully he's laid an egg. And if he has any moxie to him at all. Uh, with Drew McCoy going down, uh, he's not going to let Caleb Webb or Chaz Nimrod uh, steal his shine. And if he does, and if he does, let that happen, then I'm afraid it's not there for him. Tona, oh. I'm going to say Dante Thornton Saturday has uh, 80 yards to Steven. or maybe even breaks 100. We would if he gets 80 yards. That's a great sign for the Vols because that'd be yeah, 80, that'd be 80 more than he's had so far this season. I mean, basically that poor guy, Sean, through five games has done about nothing, hasn't he? Poor guy. One one catch against Florida, and that's about it. I think he's looked he's looked soft. He's looked afraid. He's looked unready. Um, no offense, as we say, um, but he he does not look like anywhere close to the the player we thought we were getting. Yeah, I agree with that, Sean. Tony, uh, out the door. Yep. I can't wait to listen to WIP tonight after the Braves win. See ya. <laughs> Jack Fritz just sent me a video, and he is an absolute clown. Uh, Fritz, I want to thank uh, I want to thank Josh for just jinxing us right there. Yes, no, no question. I'm 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 abstaining uh, from Philly's uh, conversation. I just think it's a great baseball series. I, it's a shame that that's not a seven-game series. Somebody sent me a email today, and I, I responded to it uh, over at tclub.team. And shame on baseball because that should be a seven-game series. You, you really these short series deal? Do they prove who the best team is? I, I don't know. Not really. And we need to go so to think, a nine-game – let's go to a nine-game World Series, too, while we're at it, Cinco. 
Well, the thing that I like is that in a, in sports now has I mean the reason that Deion Sanders is the talk of the town is because he has personality, and sports is sports is lacking personality, and the Braves and the Phillies have personality, uh-huh. and whichever side you're on, it's just great, and their fans have personality, and so I think that's. Uh, that place is going to be freaking rocking come five o'clock. Uh, those I, idiots up, those idiots up there, and I say that with love. Yes, are going to absolutely be the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth man Texas A and M. They are going to give. Uh, I, I, thank God that most of our players don't speak English because they would be getting an earful. Anthony went to that playoff game last year when the Phillies beat the Braves uh, in Philadelphia, and we bought him a sort of a surprise gift, a couple of standing room only tickets for him and a buddy, which they're out of sight now, but back then, kind of snuck in, and that nobody believed just yet. That was in the divisional series. And so, he called us up, and he said it was a Southeastern Conference. He said it was insane. And he was in standing room. He said he said, everybody in the stadium stood, so what do, you, what do you need a seat for? Everybody stood the entire time. And when the guys went out to play catch in between innings, Sean, they were screaming, like the brave kids when they were out there catching, just playing. The guys in the outfield were just screaming at them, just screaming, just just like. And then the bullpen, which is right above the deal, where, out, where Anthony was standing in the outfield, he said they were just giving it to those guys the whole Game, he said it was just. He said it was absolutely, really, really fun. And uh, Brian, you know, the yeah. thing is that it, that doesn't bother the players. They I love it. like it. They it, love it. It lightens it up and sure. And it uh, as long as you don't engage the fan back, it, it's it's actually kind of funny. I mean, I've I've had uh, well, one of my roommates is coming up in town from Florida this week for the game, and he was an outfielder for the balls uh, down at Miami, and he. I think he was playing right field, and they were lighting him up. When Miami was great in baseball, I mean, light. And he said it was just, it was great. It was just so much fun. Uh, he said they even got a couple good ones in on him. Uh, I remember they done some research yeah. on him and his family, and and That's he said funny. it was it was awesome. I remember being at the being out on the porch uh, a couple years ago, and it was one of those teams. It was Liberty or the team from the Midwest, Brian, that had all the sluggers. What was that team called? Wright State. Wright State. Yeah, their, Wright State. Their left fielder turned around in the middle of a game and said, I love this place. Yeah. And the fans were like, huh? And he goes, you people are great. This is hilarious. Uh, oh, basically, yeah. he was like, we played before 50 people. He was having a conversation while the game was going on because that's what baseball is. Well, let's go back to the phones, get our next call in. It is the Wednesday edition coming up here in a mere matter of moments. We're going to break it down scientifically with Adam Sparks of the News Sentinel. Hello, welcome in. Hey, Tony. It's Jason in Dalton, Georgia. How are you? Hey, good to talk to you, Jason, my, my uh, scout slash official friend. There you go. There you go. I actually don't have a game this Friday, so my lovely wife is very happy about that. But, well, God bless you, man. That'd be great. Take her out somewhere, man. She's going to make me. I will definitely do that in Chattanooga somewhere. There you go. Right on. Go downtown there. Down. Uh, go down around that ballpark area. It's beautiful down there. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, we're in Dalton. We're just floored 20 minutes away. No oh, yeah. Deal. You know, this this game against A&M, gives, this game gives me the heebie-jeebies um, on Saturday, chiefly because I, I just flat out think A&M just has more talent yeah. than we do. And um, when is the last time that we beat a team that we – had a talent deficiency against, and we didn't have, like like last year, Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt going crazy against Alabama. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think the, when, when we, the more this season goes along, the more that I realize that last year's offense is exactly what Josh Heupel wants to do. That, that is his offense. That's what he desires out of his team. And he just, you know, we're not last year's team. He's not calling the same type of game. No. He's not doing the same type of offense. He knows what the deficiencies are. And, and it's just, it's that tweener year, hopefully, is, is, is where we're at. And that defensive line for A&M, man, that thing uh, concerns me and, if Texas A&M can mentally get right, they've got the horses to to beat us on Saturday. I mean, really, if you look at the game, you take our Tennessee colors off, and you take the fact that they're total losers out of the deal, they should put it on Tennessee Saturday with their defensive line. They are absolutely they a, live, a live dog. Yeah, they scare me. I mean, I, I'm saying it out. Here's the thing that gives me hope, though. You talked about Heupel. The guy on the other sideline, is a scrape-up loser. People say whatever they'll say about him. He is a scrape, and I mean S-C-R-A-I-T. He is a scrape-up loser. And I didn't do it, by the way. How do you have all that material? How do you do all those things well against Alabama on your home field? How do you turn them over four times to your one turnover, and you lose a game? And Nick Saban afterwards is going, I don't know how he won that game. I, I've not... I've. I'm not happy with the way we played. I'm not happy with our coaches. I'm not happy with our play calling. I'm not happy with my defense. I don't know how we won the game. I don't, I'm not happy with anybody. But we won the game, and this guy is a – but you are right, Jason. Uh, this is a scary – those of us that pay attention to line play, this is a scary game because they, they have the ability to turn our, our offensive line inside out Saturday. They really do. Yeah, but guys, if we're honest, we've had a talent deficiency for the past 10, 12, 15 years. That's true. We're we're nowhere close to being on paper a a top-level SEC roster. Not even close. That's true. Yep, you're you're right. You're right. I I, I would argue that this game against A&M, we win this game. I don't know that it's the best win Heifel's had here. But man, it'd be way up there. I agree. He would beat a team with more horses than him. It'd be a sneaky good win, man. Now, now here's the thing about it. Man. And I was talking about this a couple of days ago. I was getting ready to introduce this as a topic at some point. I don't think our fan base understand. I'm gonna write about this tomorrow. I'm gonna ask these guys to help me in the third hour. In fact, I don't think this fan base understands what this Texas A&M team is from a talent perspective because they're not ranked. And they're way better than many teams that are ranked in that top 25. Way better in terms of just being a football team. Way better. Not better. They're way better than a lot of teams. 
Well, they're not better than they're not better, way better than Clemson was last year on the lines of scrimmage. They're not better than Alabama was last year on the lines of scrimmage. They're good. Yeah, they're talented. Not, they're young, but they're not. I mean, Clemson had two or three guys. Unfortunately, last year's football team's not they, walking back through the door. Well, that's exactly right. They but, got, but unfortunately. There are other things. Our defense is a lot this, better than we were. Go ahead, Brian. Let me make this point real sure. quick. They did get blown out by Miami, who couldn't score against Georgia Tech. They can't play on the road. Half. These guys can't. And that's the thing Jason and I are counting on. These guys don't play on the road because this coach can't coach. And, and Watson Brown it was very diplomatic about the way he said it. But this guy has every advantage. He has every you get, advantage. You get blown out by the 80s Miami, and that's one thing. But to get blown out by this year's Miami. You're exactly right, Brian. That's true. Hey, you guys are making me feel better as this call goes along, so I appreciate that. Thank you, brother. That's what we're here for. We're here to have a good day. I am Sunshine Pumper Extraordinaire. I agree with you on the talent. Sean's right about the talent deficit. I mean, we haven't caught up yet, and it takes a while. Cinco, what do you make of, and then we'll go back to the phones, the NIL comments from the head coach at Kentucky that's making like $7 million to rack up seven meaningless wins a year. No offense to him. Well, I think Shane Beamer also commented on that, and you know that is that is the, that is the beginning of the end right there. That the next the next thing is when a coach starts in on the the fake death threats and uh, uh, how his kids are being mocked at school and all that. All fake that fake death threats fake is my monster. favorite. Who was the guy that did that? And they did a forensic investigation of his stuff, and that was. That was uh... That was Jim McElwain. That was right after the star. Yeah. That was right after the star picture. That's not our. Coach. No, but that's that's everything. Everyone does that. The the Conzo Martin pulled that card out. Uh, yeah, all they don't like my family. Coach, every they coach don't, throws yeah. that out. There. And when they're when they're winning, when they're winning, you you never yeah. hear a word. No. When you're winning, yeah, I, you yeah, know we love these, you. I these, love you. All you these de- yeah, all these death threats. Are, are, uh, the FBI is never contacted. I love uh, it's, it's that. Just like, uh, it's just the death threats are just like the um, uh, Shiano uh, lawsuit threat. They said to him down there, the backstory was, we want to see your phone. And he said, why? And they said, well, you got threatened. I mean, we want to see this stuff. We want to see the emails. We want it. And they did that. They, they started it. And he just got, uh, he said, I'm, I'm getting out of here. That's it for me. I'm done. <laughs> he's like, he's like, never mind. Yeah. No, but the NIL thing. When you are complaining that you don't have enough money for recruits, recruiting's not changed. It's just out in the open, right? There's not, not. There may be, there may be more money, but it's you know, it's it's quote unquote legal now. That that's ridiculous. That's it, just say you got your ass kicked. That's fine. I mean, it, it, that's what we expected. But to then go and then put the own when you're making eight, you're making. North of seven, eight, nine million dollars coaching football in Kentucky, and I think they—I think someone challenged him on a show yesterday and said he's only won two games in his career with uh, against teams that finished above five hundred. You, you know where those numbers came from? This is my favorite thing about that story. I'm gonna shine the light on him. A guy up there took Matt Dixon's work and used it in a piece, and then basically cited Matt. That's where that came from. I didn't know that. So Matt had an impact on Caduce to Matt Dixon, 
on that coach getting skewered yet, and he did not like that. And by the way, I think the guy's done a great job there. I've got a great deal of respect for him. But he didn't like that a little bit. Not a little bit. But let's do this. Adam Sparks coming up. we got to get there. We'll get there with him right after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job to fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. 
Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Football season is here, and that means tailgating starts now. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard and let us help you get your backyard game ready. We are open Monday through Friday from 7 to 7 and on Saturday from 8 to 4. Go Vols! Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. I'm going to brag on a guy here real quick. The great Adam Sparks from your Knoxville News Sentinel does an incredible, not a good, does an incredible job covering this Tennessee football program. We were just talking off the air. I was bragging on him. And he appears on the TLD Logistics Hotline online at tldlogistics.com. What's up, Jim Peters? I hope you guys can make it out on Friday. It's always great to see you. But um, as we're at Calhoun's on the river, Adam, um, you and I were talking off the air, and you made a great, great point. I say to you, we're getting ready to see what this Tennessee team is made of in the next couple of weeks. And your reply was? Yeah, I still don't know their identity. Um, and, and I've asked Josh Heupel and even some players a, a few times about that. And they get sort of a standardized answer. We're an aggressive team, whatever. That, that's, that's not the identity of this team. That's the identity of the program. Uh, I want to know the identity of this team. And it's not entirely Tennessee's fault. It's, it's more sort of the circumstances the schedule. You find out kind of who you are, what the identity of the team is in a very competitive game and against a tough opponent. Um, and they just really haven't had, haven't had that type of game yet. Um, you know, South Carolina's not really good. Um, Florida's not very good. And Tennessee lost that game because they just got swallowed up by the swamp. Uh, so maybe you can say what their limitations are in a game like that. Uh, that 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 offense has limitations, and that offensive line does, and the communication does on the road in a really tough environment. They'll they'll face at least one of those uh, going forward, and that'll be next week at Alabama. Uh, but you know, in a in a in a toss up type game against a good opponent, and I think Texas A and M's probably. Uh, they're not ranked in the top 25 right now, but they're they're a top 25 opponent. They're they're a team that any given week uh, could beat any team in the SEC, and they, they should have beaten Alabama. So this game and the Alabama game, and I think Kentucky is probably comparable on the east side to Texas A&M on the west side. I think at least these next three games are going to tell you the identity of this Tennessee team. Because so, so far, you look at the stats and you say, well, this is a – this is a running team and a and a pressure defense. They get a lot of tackles for loss, a lot of sacks on defense. Uh, they run the ball. But a lot of those numbers are piled up against bad non-conference opponents, 
and subpar SEC opponents. If they do those two things in this game, then I'll believe that that's their identity, and especially this game because, you know, the Texas A&M has as good of a defensive front as there is in the SEC and therefore college football. So if, if you can run for, let's say, 150 on this team, then you are absolutely an elite running uh, r- rushing offense uh, because this team – yeah, I think it was Bama ran for I think it's 22 yards on them uh, on A and M. Only two teams have passed 100 uh, have rushed for 100 yards against A and M, but both of those teams didn't pass for for 100 yards. So if you can run on A and M, then you're a running football team. Um, and and I, I think we wait on the aggressive defense, the uh, the pressure defense. I think that's more just I want to see it more and more because uh, they. They haven't been a consistently good defense in the last couple of years, so it just takes longer to prove that. I think it's fair. Um, and and kind of like, you know, back in the summer, everybody's ballyhoo and Joe Milton, and my stance on him was, and people don't like this, but I was saying I don't believe till I see it, which I think is a, I think that's a fair thing you're saying. And, and by the way, you know, about the Florida game, I'm not even sure what the Florida game's an indication of one way or the other. Because absent of, of, of Cooper Mays, and we were talking about this going into that deal, I'm not sure how much of a barometer that was one way or the other because when you had the center issues Tennessee had with this offense, you really didn't have a chance. You started the game behind the sticks all night long. So I'm not even sure if it's even fair. I even throw that game out at this point. Yeah, I mean, that that game told us what we had kind of seen from Josh Hopple's teams in the past, which is if you're if, if you're an elite uh, road environment or if you're an elite football team or if you're both, uh, Tennessee's going to lose uh, on the road there. Um, if you look at Tennessee's road losses, they're against top ten teams uh, under Hopple. They're against top ten teams or they're in so-called top ten environments. Um, otherwise, they'll, they'll win on the road. They'll, they'll win at Missouri. They'll win at Vanderbilt. They'll, they'll win at Kentucky. Um, and then at home, they're they're almost unbeatable. You've 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 got to be you know a national title contender to come into Neyland and win. And I think that's what makes this game so interesting because A and M is not that level of team, but Tennessee also is not the level it's been for the past. You know, they're certainly not what they were last year. And you know, I, I had a hard time picking this game because on paper, on paper, I don't think this is a good matchup for Tennessee. I, I don't like the matchup. But if you put intangibles into it, and you look at it and say, "Well, A and M's lost seven straight true road games. They haven't won a road game, and it'll be two years this Sunday." Um, but in Tennessee, is one. I think it's twelve straight at Neyland. And so, if you add that to it, you say, "Well, just." The, the, the crowd, the environment, the atmosphere will neutralize the advantages that A&M has. Because on paper, I just I like A&M in this game, but I can't get over the fact that, that uh, Tennessee is just so much better in Newland. Yeah, and then the thing A&M did last week, we were talking about this earlier, and I had a guy on Robert Cessna uh, from, from A&M who jumped on with us yesterday, and, and he clued me in on everything that went on in that game. And I just can't believe, like, we had Watson Brown on last hour, 
you do two of these things against a decent team, and you're going to lose get, lose a game. And I'm going to come to Sean here uh, momentarily. He's got a question for Adam Sparks, but 14 penalties, 99 yards. This is in on your building, in your building, and you still lost. Uh, won the turnover battle four to one. Uh, held an opponent to only 23 yards rushing. Held your opponent to four of 12 on third down. Picked up six sacks along with eight hurries. And still lost going away. It wasn't even. It was a two-score game with three and a half minutes left. And then Adam, these guys just don't. They just don't function well on the road. Robert said they were having all kinds of troubles with their signals uh, in the Miami game. He said there was about thirty thousand people there. He said it was ridiculous how bad they were on the road in that game. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's. It it sounds like a snake bit program is what it sounds like. Um, and, you know, Tennessee has felt like that in past years. I, 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 again, I'll come back to the intangibles. The feel of A&M, I feel like, is on the edge of desperation. I don't think it is desperation, but it's, it's on the edge of that because, you know, we said it coming into this year with the whole situation with Jimbo and all that, that when you when you circle this game, you said, well, is A&M going to be a ranked team when they come to Knoxville this week, or are they going to be – you know, licking their wounds and, try, and, and, and falling apart. And I, I don't think they're either of those right now, but, but they certainly could go into the second category if they lose this game. It, they, 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 they should have beaten Alabama. They're good enough to beat Tennessee. Um, but the, the wheels could come off uh, for A&M if they don't win this game. Tennessee, I don't think, is in desperation mode, but you could sort of see a fork in the road here. Uh, you know, the, could they win at Alabama next week? Maybe, um, but y- you're not going to pick the Vols probably to right. win that game. Right. And so, this game, Kentucky, Missouri's better than we thought they would be. Uh, you know, there's 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 some toss up games here, and this looks like the fork in the road of seven and five or nine and three to me. Adam Sparks going scientifically here. Uh, Sean Sinclair, you're on with Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Adam, obviously, through the first few games this year, the the passing game is certainly not as splashy or not as prolific as it has been. Uh, we take uh, Brew McCoy out of the equation, uh, though not a headliner, a crowd favorite and a guy that could move the chains for you. Who do we see step up? How do we how do we get those those yards back? Um, perhaps not Jalen Hyatt yards, but does is Nimrod Webb, is, is, or do they step forward? Is, does Castles get a little more involved? Dante Thornton, does he does he hit the scene this week? Yeah, I think this is actually one of those situations where Josh Hoppel uh, was a hundred percent honest in his answer this week. Usually, he talks around these sort of things, but he, he said they're going to need all of them. I actually believe him um, because I I don't think they're going into this game and saying. Okay, Brew McCoy's replacement is, and they have a name. I think it's let's 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 give Caleb Webb a drive. Let's give Chas Nimrod a couple of drives. If Dante Thornton's hamstring holds up to the end of the week, I don't know that they're going to put him in Brew McCoy's spot. I think maybe you see him more um, more at the, maybe you see him some at the slot. Maybe they're creative with some of those um, some of those sets they have, where three wide receivers are to, are to one side in those bunch formations. Uh, I think you'll see some creativity because, remember, they, they did have a bye week to get ready for this. 
Um, but I think it's going to be more a trial and error to some extent. I, I think they're going to learn in real time which guy fills that role best. I, they're certainly going to have opportunities. I mean, you know, A&M, first off, is going to try to, to rush Joe Milton four guys. And if that doesn't work, they're going to bring extra guys. Uh, but they're going to be intent on stopping the run. They're, they're the best rush defense in the conference. Tennessee, statistically, is the best rush offense in the conference. Texas A&M thinks their way of winning this game is to crowd the line, to be physical, to clog up that run, and then dare Joe Milton to beat them deep. And they dared Jalen Milrow to do that last week, and he hit enough big passes down the field uh, to beat them. And and it was a good gamble because I wouldn't have thought Jalen Milrow could beat him beat them throwing the ball. Um, I. So Joe Milton's going to get a chance. If they can if they can hold up pass protection enough, I think we're going to see Milton throw quite a number of balls down the field. Now, you would like Brew McCoy to, to be here to do that, but, you know, these these, these guys are scholarship players too. Uh, Caleb Webb could, could catch a ball downfield. Uh, he's a big physical receiver. Dante Thornton could be a guy downfield. Squirrel certainly is going to get a lot of attention, but um, – I, I, I don't think it's that much mystery in this passing game. I think there's going to be shots downfield for them to take. They're just going to have to hit them because I think A&M is going to dare them to, to, to try. Adam, uh, we all remember several years ago down in College Station, Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara just came onto the scene and unloaded on them. Is this a week where we see Dylan Sampson? Though he's not the same, he has some of the same kind of explosiveness. Is this where they try to get him the ball away from the box and see what he can do in open spaces? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the more time you give Josh Hopp on his staff, the more uh, creative they're going to be. And, again, they had the bye week. I mean, if you look back, I think here's the thing with Josh Hopp. If you give him time, that script is going to be really well designed, and you're going to get the best out of his offense, at least for a certain period of time. If, you, if he's got a month off for a bowl game, you know, you, you come out in the Orange Bowl and that offense just looks great. Or, well, well good enough, at least, uh, with, with, uh, with Joe Milton filling in for Hooker. If you have bye weeks, usually they're good after those. Um, if you look even on a sort of a micro level, Tennessee's usually really good offensively to start games and to start the second half. It's because they have that extra time to prepare uh, and to make adjustments. Uh, they hit lulls when they're, you know, in sort of the meat of a game. And so I think we'll see creativity. Dylan Sampson is a guy that certainly can be part of that, uh, probably an integral part of that. Uh, shovel passes, throwing him to the ball, hit the ball out of the backfield, uh, getting him on, him on the perimeter. Um, I, I would hope for Tennessee's sake that script of plays that they are usually successful is a longer script this week, and uh, we see some creativity because I would think with the extra week that they have, they're certainly going to try that. You know, this the Barry guy has been. Um a guy that's been really picked on by A&M. Uh, Miami had a kid had a huge day against them. Burton last week had a breakout game since transferring over to Georgia, his biggest game by far. Who's the pick to click? Who, does, who do you think Tennessee tries to isolate on him? Or do they go committee on him? Or do they take a guy and just say, hey, we're going to shove this down your throat? What do you think? It's hard to say. I, I don't know. I mean, I I think so much of what I mean, Josh Hoppel loves matchups. Um, I, I do think 
I don't know. I, I think a lot of this game is just sort of going to play out after we see what happens in the first quarter. I don't think uh, – I, I think they'll have a plan going in, but I think both of these teams aren't quite sure what the other one is. We talked about the identity aspect of it. Um, I, th- I think each team doesn't quite know what the other team is about. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll know by the end of it. What about Tennessee defensively? Do they – can they bring the heat on this guy? This this offensive line doesn't seem like it's certainly as comparable as their defensive line. It's sort of the, one of their weak links. Do the Vols get exotic? Do they stay basic? What do you think they do in terms of trying to heat uh, Johnson up, or do they not do that? No, I think that you can tell they're getting um, now in year three of Tim Banks and Rodney Garner. You can tell they're starting to they're, they're, they're starting to have fun with what they do, and their personnel has changed. They have more athletes. You see that uh, was the rabbit package. They have the four pass rushers on, on third down. Um, they, I, I feel like they have more balance. You know, they, they tend to say depth, which I think that's somewhat true. I think they, more, more than depth, I think they have balance. I think they've got a lot of guys that are all sort of similar skill sets and similar levels. Um, you know, James Pierce has been great. He, when you go to Joshua Joseph, there's not really that much, there's not that much difference. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think they'll be pretty exotic. Um, I think they'll try to confuse uh, Max Johnson a little bit. Um, you know, he is a guy. His sort of his reputation is that he will hold the ball. Um, the guy they had before Wegman was really good about getting rid of the ball. Uh, Johnson isn't. He just hesitates a little bit more. And so th- there's, there's there should be opportunities to get sacked. There's no doubt about that. And to your point, you know, both these quarterbacks sort of have that um, reputation. I hope I'm not speaking out of school here, but I think that's a, a knock on Milton as well, is that if you can heat him up a little bit, he'll hold a ball on you. I think that's both those guys' reputations, isn't it? Yeah, and I think Pro Football Focus had this the other day. I think it was Milton complete something like 29% of his passes, I think, under pressure. Um even good quarterbacks are like 50%. Hendon Hooker, Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner last year, was 51%. So you're looking to complete about half your pass. Also, Tennessee throws it downfield a lot under pressure, so that'll drop your percentage. But still, Milton has not been good under pressure. Um, you know, he's either got to be accurate in those situations or he's got to run. It's, it's so much of this weird cat and mouse right now of, um, you know, how much should he run? Is he choosing to run? Joey Halsley yesterday, uh, he was asked, you know, how, how much should Joe Milton run? Because we saw UTSA, he took off and went. And Joey Halsley was very, you know, emphatic about pointing out that Joe Milton chose to run on that play. That was not a designed run on that first play of the game, uh, the 75, whatever, however long that, that long run was. Um, you know, it's sort of making sure to sell the fact that Joe Milton does want to run. He's not shying away from running. Um, but, you know, that's, there's the obvious follow-up question, that how come he isn't running more? Because he, he's he got the wheels, he's got the size. Um, you know, he can be a weapon if he does run, um, but but he isn't enough. And, and I think that's something, you know, that he could add to his game that would help him out a, out a whole lot. He didn't have to be hitting hooker. He didn't have to take off and do a spin move and make us all, you know, hold our breath of whether or not he's he's injured. 
you know, just go get six, seven yards and slide, run out of bounds. Uh, but Milton has not done that enough, I think. So, Adam, I'm listening to you talking here. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a question. I mean, this is um, I'm a, uh, two follow-ups on that. Okay, why doesn't he run more? And do you believe Halsley when he said that, or do you believe they called his number because you guys and you were questioning them coming into this game? Why don't we see the quarterback running more? I find it very suspicious. I don't believe him personally. I think they called that play. They call those plays early in games. We talk about their scripted stuff. I think that was scripted. I want your opinion on that. I think it's. I think some of it's probably semantics. Um, he can have the choice to give the ball or to run, but he can also be told, uh, you know, all week, hey, they're probably going to come out in this. This is going to be our first play. There's a 99% chance that you're going to have wide open space. It's your it's your choice, but we know what it's going to be. Uh, so I, I think it's probably semantics. Uh, th- th- they saw the look; they knew they, he, he knew it would be open. Uh, that's sort of my take on it. Technically, he probably had the option, um, but but he, he knew he was going to keep it. And was probably told you're probably going to want to keep it on this one. Um, why doesn't he run? I mean, I think it's. I mean, what is Joe like? Twenty three years old, yeah. like quarterback for more than a decade. Um, I think what you are, you are um, at this point. I don't think it's like, you know, I got like, I've gotten some emails about, you know, is he scared of contact or something like that. I don't think that's it at all. Um, I, th- I just think sometimes guys sort of have it in them that when pressure comes, you know, I'll, I, I rely on my arm. Or when pressure comes, I tuck it and go. You just sort of have a different, different quarterbacks have different internal clocks. Um, about what they do when pressure comes, and he's a big, strong guy. He can take hits if there is there is pressure, um, and he's got an arm that can throw it anywhere at any angle. And so, I think probably over time, I would guess that has you know he's had enough situations where he's he's sort of been conditioned to know that I can sit in here and I can throw it, and uh, and I don't have to tuck and run. I think Hinton Hooker probably had the opposite clock. Um, more of a wiry guy, probably had some times where he took some licks and thought, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, I'm going to go. And Joe Milton probably gets the three Mississippi and thinks, I'm about to take a hit. It's okay. Um, I haven't been hurting away like this, like, you know, to be concerned before. And even if I'm falling backwards or I'm off balance, I can still throw this thing 30 yards downfield on a rope. And so I'm going to I'm going to stand here a little longer. I, th- I think that's probably it. I encourage you to subscribe to the Knoxville News Sentinel. I also encourage you to read Adam's work. I also encourage you to check him out on his socials. How do they find you, Adam? And thank you for your time. Uh, yeah, good to be on. Uh, yeah, knoxnews.com at uh, Twitter or X or whatever we call it now is uh, at Adam Spark. Yeah, I think they call that thing X. I still call it Twitter. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Good talking to you. Uh, y'all have a good one. On your TLD Logistics hotline online, tldlogistics.com, he kind of shares my view of this game, which is we're going to learn a lot about the Vols this weekend, which I love these games. I, I Look, to me, one of the things that gets me juiced up and jacked up is weeks like this. 
and we'll talk about it in the TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime. To the radio listener, we're getting ready to leave you. Sean, myself, Bri, will stay. We'll get some calls in, and we're going to hang out on this Wednesday. I want to thank Wednesdays with Watson Brown for joining and Adam Sparks on the TLD Logistics Hotline. And we'll do a TLD Logistics Overdrive over time. As I remind you, as soon as uh, the game's over, right here at tclub.team, uh, we'll be live uh, another award-winning edition Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction.